Hey, everybody. Hello, friends. Oh, do I not have... Hold on. Give me a second. We're live, but no one can hear me because my audio input capture device is not turned on. Let me oh, change no. that. They can hear you, but they can't hear me. They can hear me on the podcast, which is the funnier thing about this. Hey, everybody. Uh, Seems like you can only hear me right now. Everyone can hear me uh, Adam, now. Oh, okay. They can hear you now. I'm here. Everyone you ignore this. Had, yeah, you had something improperly configured. All right. Let's start from the top. No, Chad, don't edit it out. Welcome to Responding Fire, the Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming Podcast. Ralph Idiots. I want to be your host. Adam loves onions, ketchup, and mustard on his hot dogs, Gumbert. And today we have with us Alex. Give me your favorite hot dog topping. Uh, hmm. You know what? I, I like an L.A. style danger dog. Uh, a few years ago, before the pandemic, uh, I went down to L.A. to attend Anime Expo, which is like the big Los Angeles-based anime convention. And there were some street vendors selling danger dogs, which are like hot dogs wrapped in bacon with like caramelized onions on top. Oh, God, and those things were really good. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Onions, a good hot dog topping. Mm -hmm. Mustard, a good hot dog topping. Ketchup, a good hot dog topping. I don't feel very strongly about mustard and onions. Ketchup and onions is fine. Ketchup and mustard is fine. But mustard and onions is a little bit on the weird side for me, personally. Makes sense. I mean, mustard's an acquired taste. I didn't like onion or mustard until I was like in my 20s. Here's the one thing that I will say. In America, I don't know how they do it up there in the great white north. Yeah. Uh, when you get a chili cheese coney mostly from places like Sonic Drive-Thru and those kind of places. Yeah. It is, like, cus not customary. It's like, hey, do you want chili? They basically like, yeah. I want, all right, give me a cheese coney. It is chili, cheese, onion, mustard. So they just give it to you, like, standard. Uh, so mm. I'm, I'm a fan of it. But I, and the, and if you get a coney, they don't give you ketchup. You get to ask for ketchup separately. Hmm. So, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. But again, I used to hate mustard. Now I love it. I also used to hate onions. Now I eat, I eat raw onions. So I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah. I, I had a, a French onion soup the other day, actually. Uh, I went out skiing with my dad. And yeah, me and my soups. Uh, they put like a, like a whole piece of bread with melted cheese on top of it. Real good. Oh, yeah, where they... Oh, God. God, so good. Man, Food Talk, everybody. Welcome to Food Talk. Uh, you can catch us live on Twitch.tv slash at Sunday evenings at 8.30 Eastern Time. YouTube and podcast services, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Chad's not here because he died at Nintendo Land. Bowser, that statue, fell on him. He's gone. He'll never make it back. Uh, upcoming on today, let me be honest with you, not a lot of news. We've got some stuff about Sony. Uh, a story personal to Adam and his likes and wants and desires. But first... Ubisoft. What's going to happen in the future for them? It's from Logan Plant at IGN.com. Uh, while Sony, Xbox, and Nintendo may not be a part of E3 2023, Ubisoft said it will be at the show if it happens. Uh, on Ubisoft's uh, quarter three 2022-23 investors call, CEO Yves Guillemot. Is it Yves? How do you say it? It's uh, Yves. Yves? Is that a common name up there? Yeah. It's not like super common, but yeah, it's pretty common. Because, like, down here, John is just, like, everywhere, but we don't have any Eves. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Cultural it's differences. Guillemont uh, uh, responded to an investment an investor asking if the company planned to attend the event in person this year to show its games. This is all from uh, Eves. Uh, if E3 happens, we will be there and... Uh, we will have a lot of things to show. A lot of things to show, he says specifically in this quote. Ubisoft lineup has a lot of question marks as we head deeper into 2023. The company recently delayed Skull and Bones for the sixth time. Six times. 
six times uh, and canceled three unannounced titles amid, quote unquote, major challenges in the industry. Uh, Eve's tried to calm investor worries about Ubisoft's lineup on today's call, saying Ubisoft will launch a lot of games in its next financial year. Launch a lot of games, a lot of things to show. That's what this guy says about Ubisoft. Half of them will be Assassin's Creed games, of course. Possibly. But yeah, I've got a thing to follow this up, but, you know, I just, I love how he says, if it happens, and then we'll have a lot of stuff, like saying nothing at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit weird cuz you would assume that by this point Reed Pop would have reached out to Ubisoft and been like, "Hey, here's the situation with E3 this year. It's going to be a little bit different from last year's. It's going to be a little bit more akin to like a PAX East or a PAX Expo or a whatever, which is kind of in line with what their Star Wars celebration events were uh, prior to them taking over E3 as well." Um, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there that Eve Schemo is like, we don't know whether or not Ubisoft is, we don't know whether or not E3 is happening and Reed pops like, yeah, it's going on. We're, we're taking care of things. Yeah, dude, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see It feels like E3 is going to be a thing. I'm still interested, but anyways, this is all leading into a segment from Adam. Uh, do you know any songs, uh, Alex, that you could sing? Sigmund from Adam, Sigmund from Adam, Sigmund from Adam. Someone's been playing Doom. Uh, all right, this segment from I Adam. I actually, in fact, I haven't even been playing it yet. Uh, we'll get to it later. We'll talk about it. There's a lot of good metal music in that video game. So what I've decided to do, there's multiple segments from Adam this week, because I'm having fun. Uh, we're having a good time. So what I'm going to do is, maybe I'm the same businessman from Matt last week when we did like the... Give me the game. I'm the businessman on the phone. Ring, ring. What I want you to do, I have in front of me a list of supposed games in 2023. Ease Germain mm. is talking about we've got a lot of stuff. It's going to be really good. In your perfect world, what do you think could come out this year that would actually make Ubisoft like come back? This can be wishful thinking. This could be a remaster, a sequel, something new. What do you think is interesting? I'll go ahead and read a list of supposed games of this year. You think of like what would be really cool. I'll just say for me, for Adam. I would love another. What was the Breath of the Wild game that they made? Immortals. Uh, Immortals, Gods and Monsters. I would adore another one of those. But I'll just say really quick what's supposed to come out this year? We have Assassin's Creed Mirage, Avatar, mm-hmm. Frontor, uh, Frontiers of Pandora, The Crew Motorfest. Yeah, they're making another crew game. Um, Rocksmith Plus, Skull and Bones. Okay. And Track Mania is what I have on this list on Wikipedia. So. If you're trying to save Ubisoft, it's all up to you, Alex. And if you don't, all of Canada goes away <laughs> forever. Oh no! <laughs> You've got to fix it. What do you? What do you? What are you planning? What are you bringing to the table for me? Uh, hmm. Okay. Do you remember if Assassin's Creed Mirage is the Assassin's Creed game that they've been talking about as being like? A, a, a kind of culling of a lot of the RPG systems that have gradually made their way into the Assassin's Creed games. Is that this Assassin's Creed game? Yeah, this is the game where you play as Basim and you're supposed to like go back to old school style of game. Because, you know, maybe it's because the two games that I have on my mind most at the moment, because I've just finished playing them, are Dead Space and Metroid Prime. But man... Playing through those games, I really appreciated that there was no, like, zero RPG minutia bullshit in them. Mm -hmm. Like, those games have 
like no like rarities of droppable items no like micromanaging your stats and yet those games are utterly fantastic experiences uh despite you know modern conventional wisdom dictating no 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 you need to have your rpg systems to be considered a veritable a real quote-unquote triple a game uh and so my answer i mean it's a little bit of a boring answer but like if they come out with assassin's creed mirage and it is a really good back to basics assassin's creed experience that evokes the same kind of nostalgia as games like metroid prime remastered and dead space remake of like oh wow look at this we just sort of like upgraded and modernized these sort of old school designs without dramatically reworking them or introducing a bunch of bullshit on top of them. I think people could really get on board with that while it also being a game that could like really sell gangbusters as well. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I think, yeah, going back to basics as it were would be awesome because I enjoy the big RPG ones, but asking me to play 120 hours of Assassin's Creed is a bit of an ask. I'll give you that. There's no argument Mm -hmm. there. So yeah, going back to like Assassin's Creed 2 style of the thing doesn't sound awful. Um, I will say on this list, the one thing I would have brought up, eh, I guess it kind of plays into it. So Valiant Hearts Coming Home, which was a Valiant Heart game that came out, I think, through Netflix gaming. So it's only on like mobile, um, mm. which is weird because Valiant Hearts is a very cool game. But that reminds me, Ubi Art. So I'd love to see a new Rayman um, Legends or Child of Light sequel. Just another Ubi Art game besides Valiant Hearts only being on phones, I think would be mm. an easy win, quote unquote. You know, games aren't easy to make, but it feels like that's not as much. You don't need 17 studios to make, you know, Shadow of Light 2. So that be before the but before the kind of the narrative really turned on Ubisoft, I feel like the kind of like discontinuation of their UB Arts engine games was sort of a, a canary in the coal mine that things are not great at the company because they made such a big deal back in the day about how they had this fantastic engine that allowed them to create these really painterly looking games. And then after Rayman Legends in 2015, they basically completely abandoned it. Uh, I don't necessarily know that like a new UB Arts Rayman game is going to like do gangbusters, but it definitely would get them a lot of good cred. So yeah. Let's see what they do. Okay. Um, I'm just looking Uh-oh. at... So what's happened? Oh, Uh-oh. yeah. I can hear you, but you're not here. Uh, it looks like I may have been uh, talking to a disconnected Adam this entire time. I this can hear you, good. buddy. I can hear you. Oh, we'll come right back, folks. Give me a second. Hey, folks, no problem. We just had a ghost, an actual demon... <laughs> was here haunting us we're good to go now uh as i was saying i heard your whole th- your whole idea about yeah. the ubi arts and your opinions on that very cool i will say maybe just throw another one out there uh maybe something new from tom clancy specifically rainbow six right rainbow six siege mm-hmm. has been a big deal for a very long time but i feel like you know we've gotten all the blood out of that stone we can get not saying a new game comes out this year but announcing another rainbow six or you know military shooter tom clancy game Probably a good win because there was a lot of legs for Siege. So a new one doesn't sound like the worst idea to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, One last suggestion talking about all these remakes and remasters that have been really well received recently. There's that um, Prince of Persia remaster that's been cooking for a long time now. I know it's a subject matter of many a joke and ridicule, but if they re-unveil that game and it looks great and it really kicks ass when it comes out again, all that street cred going right into Ubisoft's gullet. I like it. I mean, Prince Birch is cool. That just, that remake, I was like, okay, what's going on? And then 
it was a mess. But yeah, if they put that out and it's good, that's a, that's an easy win. All right, that's my first segment from Adam. <laughs> We've got more coming in the future. Um, I won't make you sing that metal song again because I don't remember what it was. But anyways. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> we're going to move on to playtime. Uh, Alex, what have you been playing this week? You've been playing all the good stuff. Yeah, I uh, managed to beat Metroid Prime Remastered with 100% items collected. Ooh. That game is still really, really fantastic. My only real criticism of that game, having now completed it, however, is, man, navigating through Metroid Prime 1's environments, uh, not so much while you're in the thick of it, but when you're in the end game and you're just mopping up uh, like items and keys that you missed while playing through it, uh, is a little bit on the frustrating side, uh, especially compared to Dead Space Remake, which I'll talk about in just a second, where you can just like take the trams to kind of go back and forth between all the different sections of the Ishimura that you previously missed or glossed over. Like it gets really annoying to have to kind of backtrack to certain zones in Metroid Prime 1. Uh, one of the worst examples is this one zone called the Phazon Mines. To get to the Phazon Mines, you have to take this elevator, which is located in another section of the game called the Phazon Overworld. But to no, the Talon for over, Overworld, excuse me, I'll make mistakes like that a lot because the naming schemes in these games can get a little confusing. Uh, but to get to this one elevator in the Talon Overworld, you have to take this other elevator, which leads all the way from this area called the Talon Ruins, or you can travel all the way through this sunken ship. Or if you want, you can actually take this other elevator in the Talon Ruins and you can, and it's just, it, it, it it's like needlessly cumbersome and annoying, but but despite all that, like exploring Metroid Prime Remastered is still such a treat. The movement mechanics in the game feel so good. Uh, artistically, its environments are so lush and beautiful to look at. The music is great. And so even though I didn't love all the kind of like backtracking and roundabout routes I had to take during uh, my kind of end game with that game when I was, you know, again, mopping up items and whatnot, it was still on a very base level enjoyable. So that was a lot of fun. Two questions. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. One, how long did it take to finish that game? Let's say with your 100% backtracking I, everything. I actually took, uh, when I beat the game, I actually took a screenshot of um, my screen uh, that showed all my stats. Uh, here we go. Uh, mission final, uh, percentage complete 100%. Uh, total time, uh, 15 hours, 37 minutes. So probably 13 without backtracking and doing all that stuff, if you had to guess. Yeah, I'd That's say so. I can live with that. I can. I love a good 10, 13 hour game any day of the week. For sure. And what you'll probably appreciate about this game is like, and I know it is very trite to like compare video game franchises to Soulsborne games, but like there is a lot of Soulsborne in this game's design. Uh, you know, for a, a while now, like people have kind of acknowledged and understood that those games, you know, contain a lot of Metroidvania elements in them. But this game specifically, Metroid Prime, like feels like weirdly like a super like obvious sort of predecessor to those games, even though I don't necessarily know whether or not, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the kind of like director head honcho of that series. Oh, Miyazaki? Miyazaki. Even though I don't, don't necessarily know that Miyazaki and his associates even ever played this game. So uh, knowing you, I, I'd imagine you'll probably get a, a kick out of it for that reason. That's cool. And um, another second question. 
I didn't put it as a story because it was just like someone tweeting saying yes. Uh, basically, Jeff Grubb was someone's like, are we still going to get Metroid Prime 2 and 3? And he said yes. And I think his reiteration was that it's not going to be a full remaster, but they're just going to re-release them. Now that you've played one remastered, do you have any want in your heart to go play 2 and 3 remastered or not? Or not? Either way. A hundred percent. Once I got to the end of this game, I was super motivated to immediately go and play 2 and 3 again. I do have 2 and 3 on the Wii, and I actually hmm. do have my Wii U hooked up, so it wouldn't be that difficult for me to go and play those games again right here and now if I really wanted to, but I would much rather take a remastered version of those two games, um, in part because... Uh, like the issue that I described with Metroid Prime 1, where backtracking gets really monotonous uh, once you're in the end game of that game, isn't as much of an issue in 2 and 3 the way I remember it. I think that with 2 and 3, while, while there are a lot of people that like contend that 1 is the best game of the trilogy and 2 and 3 are also very good but not as good, I do think that 2 and 3 don't get enough credit for improving upon a lot of the small little design issues that 1 had. And for that reason, I think I might actually end up enjoying two and three even more. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to them for sure. Mm, very cool. Uh, and yeah, from there, uh, I also beat Dead Space Remake, uh, another fantastic game. I will say um, by the end of it, I was kind of. Uh, how to say getting a little bit impatient. I was ready for it to be over. Uh, can I drop a super duper huge major spoiler about Dead Space? For a 10-year-old game, go right ahead. Everyone you've been warned, 10-year-old game spoilers coming <laughs> now. Okay. So, uh, there are 12 chapters in total in Dead Space and in the remake of Dead Space. Uh, each of those chapters uh, start uh, with a title. And the first letter... Uh, of each of those titles ultimately spell out a word. Um, you have chapter one, which starts with an N, chapter two, which starts with an I, chapter three, which starts with a C. You have O-L-E-I-S-D-E-A-D. -E Nicole is dead, which, spoiler alert, is a major spoiler for the end of the game. Nicole is dead. You believe that she's been alive this entire time, but in fact, it's an illusion perpetrated by the marker or whatever. Mm. Um, Dead Space Remake carries that over. There are 12 chapters in the game as well, and they all have titles that spell out that as well. Playing through the game, I was like, man, there are a couple of chapters in here where it doesn't feel like a whole lot happens. It, it kind of feels like you could have combined the events of this chapter into another chapter of the game. But I can't help but feel like EA Motive was in a way almost kind of hamstrung by being like, well, we still have to do the Nicole is dead uh, Easter egg thing. That they were like, well, if we're going to make a Dead Space remake worth its salt, we have to make sure that our chapters spell out Nicole is dead as well. And that kind of prevented them from truncating the game a little bit more. But I will say, I will say after I beat it, I was in a real high state. I was like, you know what? Not high state as in I was real high on drugs. High state as in I <laughs> like was really kind of like feeling it. I was really happy with the experience I just completed. Uh, I was really kind of motivated to kind of keep playing. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to start my new game plus file because you need mm. to play new game plus to unlock the game's new secret ending, uh, as well as get some trophies. Uh, and 
Uh, I started it last night. I'm already at chapter nine in my new game oh. plus playthrough. And so mm. I will say like, there are some games that you play that are really long and then playing through them again uh, to get trophies or find things you missed, they're equally as long. Dead Space is one of those games where it is a little bit of a long playthrough, but playing it through on New Game Plus, you can cruise right through that game. And I love it for that. That's so cool. shout out to EA Motive. Y'all made a great game. I mean, a good thing. I would love to have you and chat sit down and talk about some of the finer points maybe next week or something, but I want to get in there, figure it out. Um, yeah. All right. And this last one, I don't think I've ever heard of this. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a fun thing. So as you know, I like to play a lot of Pokemon games in my Twitch streams. Um, I decided, you know what? I feel like I've been playing too many of the mainline Pokemon games. Let's expand out into some fan mods. Oh, I now, did here's see the thing. you do this. Yeah, no, I know what this is now. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of like fan mods within the kind of Pokemon community that are like, what if Pokemon was dark? What if there were nuclear type Pokemon? What if there was war and famine and disaster and crisis? Uh, and those are fine. You're allowed to make your dark Pokemon game. I'm not going to stop you. But I've always been interested by the more weird and unusual fan mods. Uh, and there's this one fan mod called Dragon Ball Z Team Training uh, that I've known about for a little while that I've been meaning to check out. And so I figured, you know what? Let's make my next Nuzlocke run, Dragon Ball Z Team Training. Uh, the mod's real simple. It's Pokemon Fire Red uh, with mm. all the Pokemon replaced with Dragon Ball characters. And it's pretty fun in part because like, so like a really kind of well-crafted, kind of well-done Pokemon fan mod will try to create a bunch of new Pokemon that like, feel balanced that you know don't feel like any particular pokemon is like aggressively more powerful than the others and you know so on and so forth dragon ball z team training kind of uh, uh basically uh, all of the kind of like fighters that you can collect in the game uh on a base level are like kind of meant to be like as powerful as they are in the kind of anime and so like hmm. if you catch a krillin for example he is going to be real weak the entire way through. You catch a Goku, he's going to be immediately strong from the outset. And what that means is that, like, I'm not even at the second gym in the game, and I already have an incredibly lopsided team of, like, I have Gohan, which is Goku's son. Uh, I have, uh, I want to say, uh, Nappa, which is, like, one of the Saiyans. And they're, like, super-duper powerful. And then I have a bunch of the other, like... Uh, kind of, I guess, C-tier Dragon Ball characters that are not Saiyans, and they are about the same level, but, like, noticeably weaker. Mm, um, okay. Which, I, I know some people might be like, oh, man, that doesn't sound like a very fun time, but I just find it, I find it funny that the mod is fully committing to the bit of the power levels of the Dragon Ball universe being that mismatched. So, yeah, it's fun so far. I feel like your Goku just should never lose, because, you know, <laughs> it literally cannot lose. I so unfortunately I'm not going to have a Goku because at the beginning of the game in the same way that the Pokemon games will be like do you want to choose Bulbasaur, Charmander or Squirtle this game gives you the choice between Goku, Gohan and Vegeta and uh, I choose okay. Gohan so my rival has Goku and I don't think I'll encounter a Vegeta but we will see interesting interesting so I will I know about Dragon Ball I haven't watched like every series of the anime so I don't know everything but we're talking is it 151 in that game? 
Uh, I don't know. And I've intentionally kept it that way because I okay. want to be as surprised going into it. I do know that they do have a lot of characters from like the wider Dragon Ball media. Like they have some characters from Dragon Ball Super, for example, which is beyond Z. Uh, but I don't actually really know because I want to keep it as much of a surprise as possible for me. Yeah. I'm just curious if it's like, hey, we're reaching real deep. This is the shopkeeper that you saw in episode seven. He's here. <laughs> He's they, a fighter. They definitely, they definitely do find some ways to kind of like fit in some of those more obscure characters. Like, for example, all the gym leaders in the game are like characters that didn't make it into the game as Pokemon, but are still there mm -hmm. to, you know, provide you with like a gym battle, for example. Interesting. All right. That sounds cool. Yeah. No, I didn't. Now, the minute you mentioned, like, oh, yeah, I saw that. I know what you're talking about. That's cool. You find all these cool mods. All right. Is it, is it a Nuzlocke thing where, like, if you get knocked out, you're done? Yeah. That's okay. It's a Nuzlocke. All right. Very cool. Uh, going on to me. What did I play? Some interesting things. I have gotten a good amount into Doom Eternal, which is our backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends game for the month of February. Uh, first time ever playing it. Well, I played maybe 30 minutes closer to when it launched and then never got back to it. So now I'm, I feel like I'm pretty far in and man, talk about it. I mean, we'll talk about it more, but you just talk about a game that like feels like perfect to play. Yeah. Doom. It's just that movement and the shooting is just top notch 10 out of 10. Uh, we'll talk more about it soon, but I would love to do a deep dive in what the story supposed to be. <laughs> that would be fun to know what's supposed to be happening there. Um, because I haven't beaten Doom 2016 either, so oh, I'm really? sure there's connections. Yeah, I played like half of that game and then I stopped. So my plan again, we will talk more extensively about the franchise later this month. But uh, once I am done with Dead Space remake, my plan is to do a refresher on Doom 2016 before I jump into Eternal. Yeah. So I'll Take I'll be able friend. to help you there. Okay. Um. So that was a little easy. I played Forza Horizon Five. Because uh, sometimes I get in these moods where I'm like, I don't want, uh, people call them podcast games, where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do a thing, but I don't actually want to think because I don't really want to like commit my time. Because if I want to commit my time, I'd play like an RPG or do whatever. But I'm like, what is the thing where I can just waste my time? Um, and I started playing Forza Horizon 5 and I just log on. It's like, here's 30 new cars because you haven't played in a year and a half. And they just gave me all kinds of cool stuff. And I just played some Forza Horizon 5. And I had a good time with that. Nothing too crazy, but the main thing that I did this week, which is actually interesting, play a little game called The Last Starship. Um, I got a code through a PR company, and they were like, hey, this game's going into early access. It sounds like your kind of thing. Do you want to check it out? And I was like, you know what? Sounds awesome. So what The Last Starship is, it is from the team who made Prison Architect. Now, do you have any idea what Prison Architect is, Alex? Is that the game where it's... No, I don't know. I, I mean, I know of it, but I honestly mm. have never played it or even seen gameplay footage of it. It's a game where you architect a prison. No, it is I mean, basically... I, I figured that much. <laughs> it's like a sim management game, but it's like, all right, you do... It's a prison, so it's like, they build up my prison, and you do... I mean, it's people who play sim builders know what it is, right? So it's mm. that team. They're like, how about... What if we did prison architect, except for mix it with FTL. And it's like, hmm, that's an interesting idea. So I've only played one campaign and I haven't played a ton of it. I played a bit of it, but I want to play more so I can actually talk about it more, excuse me, in depth. But it's basically like, okay, you start out, you can make a ship or there are preset ships, right? And it's like, 
or I need to put down my reactor, I need to get a fuel line to it, and then from the reactor, I make electrical wires that go to the engines, and then they go to the CO2 scrubbers, and it is that nerdy, like, let me manage a ship, and, like, make a ship, and put everything laid it out. So it's peak proficient. But then it's like, okay, you have this big galaxy map, and it's like, oh, hey, you can jump from, like, point to point, but there's an anomaly happening, which basically is slowly getting rid of the, the map as you go. Um, so it's like, hey, like, you can move around, but the more you jump around, the more of the galaxy gets consumed, and humanity is, like, trying to survive. So basically, it's like, all right, let me micromanage a ship and then go explore space and try to have the human race survive. And then antics ensue. Um, and it's really, really good. It's an early access, so they're going to do a lot more work on it before it goes full. But uh, I really dig it, man. I like that sim nerdy stuff, and it's having the space twist on it is doing it for me because I'm like, all right. I had a run and I was like, no, I did this wrong. I don't have any money. I don't have enough fuel to leave and the black hole is going to kill me. And it's just like runs over. But then I restart it, move stuff around, put 17 guns on the side of this ship. <laughs> just like go out in space and have a good time. I adore it. Uh, I'd definitely say check it out. If if you like sim management stuff, check it out. And then if you like the space twist of like, let me constantly, let me explore the unknown. Go for it. Uh, I had recently just brought aliens onto my ship. Like, animals like hey um deliver these animals to the other side of the the star system i'm like cool no problem and then i move and they'll but you can only do it by small intervals because they'll die if you go too fast too too quick too fast i'm like cool and then i move over and they're like oh sorry there was males and females mixed now i have t 35 little gremlin creatures running around in my ship and it's like oof you better hurry up and deliver them and then some black market guy was like, hey, if you drop them off here, I'll give you half the money that they were going to give you just to get them off your ship right now. It's like, oh, it's cool. I like it. Everyone should check it out. Last Starship on just on PC right now, but it definitely feels like a game that would be perfect on mobile or Switch. Like it's got like the cartoon style and it's very simple controls. So very cool. And I will continue to play that game and I'll probably try to review it later this week. Uh, but that's it for me. Nothing else, Alex? No, that's about it. All right. We're going to move on to our quest log. Hint at the future of PlayStation Plus, perhaps? Question marks. Tom Ivan from VGC said, uh, SIE has announced February. So we're going to get through this because this is just a basic announcement, but there's more fun stuff at the end. Uh, SIE has announced February 2023's PlayStation Plus game catalog and classic catalog titles. This month's edition uh, include Forza Horizon West, or excuse me, not Forza Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, the Quarry, Resident Evil 7, Outriders, Scarlet Nexus, Borderlands 3, Tekken 7, and The Forgotten City. I'll see if any of these interest you. Uh, the classic catalog has The Legend of Dragoon, Wild Arms 2, and Harvest Moon Back to Nature. I've never played it, but people are horny for Legend of Dragoon, right? Yeah, the problem is, is that my, my experience with PlayStation 1 era JRPGs is very limited. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about the PlayStation 2 and, you know, I, I have, you know, a lot of uh, blank spots because there were so many JRPGs on that system. But, you know, I, I've dabbled with Kingdom Hearts. I've dabbled with, what was it, Xeno, not Xeno Gears, but Xeno Saga, which was their mm -hmm. follow-up before they did Xenoblade. Uh, but, yeah, the, these games are kind of a... a I'm trying to search for the right term here. Like a black box for me. Yeah. Okay. All that's cool. They've got new stuff on the... On the you know, the subscription. Awesome. The main thing here and the segment from Adam part two, hit me with a song. <laughs> segment from Adam. 
Take me <laughs> I was waiting to see. From what? What is that? Is that a death march? I recognize that I, song. I don't really know. I, I, for a second, I was like, maybe I should go like with something in the vein of the the, the song from God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Like you know, mm-hmm. no, no, no. But it it almost became like a like a choir chant that you would. Uh, doing church, which is something that we might actually discuss in a following segment, but let's hold on to our horses. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, cool. Uh, so, my segment from Adam for this. Basically, everyone is pointing to, hey, Horizons Forbidden West went on to the subscription service a year afterwards, right? That's the main news. That's why everyone cares. It's like, oh shit, a year and the AAA game came out. So, I guess my segment is just like, how do you feel? We're getting close to a year of PlayStation Plus extra super good high tier edition. Mm. How do you feel about this service so far? And do you think that this is the move going forward to AAA games? Like, again, in fall of this year, do we expect Ragnarok? Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think they're going to give us more games like Stray? What do you think? How do you think that their strategy for this service is? Was Stray the game that I subscribed to PlayStation plus essential for to play it at lunch. Cause I want to say that was the last time that I subscribed to PlayStation plus essentials. And then after that, I unsubscribed. It was the one and only game that ever launched day and date with PlayStation plus essential. That would or, make sense. It is the one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I'm, as you can tell, I'm not exactly super enthusiastic about this service. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, it's Sony's want to release these games kind of a year out after the fact. Um, but, but, but they got to start making some more aggressive moves if they want to make this service a little bit more valuable, right? Because mm-hmm. a year it. sounds like, okay, but I mean, my main thing is that I want more strays. Even if they're small indie games, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I want more stuff day one, because give me one game on day one, and then triple A's a year later. I was like, thank you for the triple A's. But again, I don't want to compare, but the other company gives it to you day one. So what else are you offering me besides a year later you can play Horizon? When Stray mopped up the Game Awards, I think we were all kind of a little bit disgruntled about it. We were like, oh man, did it really have to be Stray? But like, the fact of the matter is that like Sony got that game in front of a bunch of people mm-hmm. putting it out a day and date on PlayStation plus, And it probably got all those nominations and wins solely because of that. Now that doesn't necessarily always translate into a great financial return, but like clearly they were onto something there. And yeah, I, I I'm surprised that they're not kind of leaping on more strays like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how this game's going to turn out because people are flip-flopping, but was it Devil in Me or Devil in... I get confused because there's that super massive game that has a similar title. But is it The Little Devil in Me? Little Devil Inside? Yeah, The, the, the Little Devil Inside or something like that. That one. That'd be a great day one, I think, for the ascent, for like that mid-tier. Again, they showed it at a lot of uh, Sony showcases. Give me that day yeah. one. Or, or even something like uh, a game that just came out, like a Dragon Ishin. 
the mm. uh, the Yakuza game that's set in like feudal Japan. Like that's the, the I feel like a perfect example of a game that would really benefit from a uh, kind of PlayStation Plus day and date style release where it's a series that a lot of people love, but it's not like super duper mainstream just yet. And this would be a great opportunity to get it in front of a lot of people's hands and faces. Yep. So last question here, kind of going with the segment. All three of the big three have their own subscription. Yeah, mm-hmm. Game Pass. Again, day one for everything first party. A lot of cool third party games on there. Nintendo just recently added Game Boy Advanced Game Boy, or was it Game Boy and Game Boy Advanced games? On Game top Boy of, and Game Boy Advanced games. Yeah. On top of N64. And they have a bunch of systems on there. Uh, subscription tiers once in a while like we used to get like the 99 games and all that stuff on there and now we have sony with seems to be about a year later you'll get triple a's we're just assuming that based on this one and then you'll get a ps1 ps2 game every once in a while go ahead and rank these for me of these three main of the big three who do you think is the best one two three and why i mean obviously xbox is the best no no argument there Mm -hmm. um and then uh See, the problem the problem is that Nintendo has been so much better than Sony at making its online service look sexy mm-hmm. in a way that Sony has just been not able to with PlayStation Plus. Like, for as much as we hem and haw about Nintendo Online, every single time that Nintendo talks about Nintendo Online in its directs, it is a big deal. People sit up straight to listen to what they have to say. But then, you know, the, the kind of post Nintendo Direct depression set, sets in and we go, you know, a few months, if not years, without any new games being added to kind of each individual console service. Um, PlayStation Plus has a kind of wider, more robust selection of games. But then again, it, they've also not been great at upgrading uh, their selection as well. Yeah, day one there was a lot, and then it's like every every month maybe we'll add something. Maybe you get Toy Story two now or whatever it was that they put on there. Yeah, you know what? Top tier. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Nintendo the edge solely because Nintendo has released those Joy-Con controllers hmm. uh, that kind of allow you to kind of call that call back to the original consoles uh, that these games released on. So like the NES Joy-Con controller, sixty four one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give them the the edge over Sony for that. I think that's good. I'm, 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 uh, of course you put Xbox number one. Um, I'm kind of confused or, you know, torn because yeah, Nintendo, I mean, if you want emulation, that's the place, it's the only place to go really, especially because mm-hmm. with the Sony, I believe they're mostly cloud or whatever. It has to be cloud for those old ones, but think about it. All those, you know, game, game boy, all those catalogs, super, super cool. And you know, all the controllers and stuff. I will give Sony some credit because even though it's just one so far, having those first party games, those Sony first parties, I mean, so, you know, Nintendo hasn't given us first party yet. They give us DLC for first parties, which is cool. I like that. You know, here's all the Animal Crossing stuff. Here's the Mario Kart stuff if you have this top tier, but they don't have the big first parties. So I'm kind of, I can't, you know, I, that's a flip flop for me either way. Because again, I wish Sony did more, uh, but. They do have some bangers on there, so I can't really argue that. But Nintendo also is like, do you want to play GoldenEye multiplayer? You have to play on Switch. A crazy thing. They remastered it for Xbox, but you couldn't play online multiplayer, but you could on Switch, you know? So, I don't know. Just a thing to think about. Uh, That's my segment. Segment from Adam number two. God, do I have a third one? (laughs) Did I write? I did write the third one. Jesus Christ in heaven. All right. Next up. Chad's wrong pick for game of the year is underperforming from Jordan Midler at VGC. Yeah, that Chad doesn't make good choices. Uh, Returnal 
appears to be one of Sony's weakest PC launches so far. Oh, no. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, The roguelike shooter has so far achieved under 7,000 concurrent players on Steam during its first weekend, according to SteamDB. First, for comparison, the only game in Sony's recent PC catalog to perform worse is Sackboy Big Adventure, which managed just 610 peak concurrent players. Oh, excuse me, that Mountain Dew. Uh, Sony's other PC ports have performed, uh, performed far better. With God of War 2018 leading the pack at 74,000 uh, concurrence, Marvel Spider-Man at 66, Horizon Zero Dawn at 50, uh, 56, and Days Gone at 28,000. All those numbers were thousands. Um, it's worth noting that while Return- Returnal debuted to a strong critical reception, it was lauded uh, with industry awards in the year following its release. It is, uh, it is a significantly smaller IP than that of God of War or Spider-Man. However, even some of PlayStation's larger IPs have seemingly failed to make a large splash on PC, as Uncharted The Lost, uh, the Legacy of Thieves collection managed uh, just 10,851 concurrence during its debut weekend, despite being a larger IP than Returnal. All right. Do you have any things to say? Because there might be another segment coming up. Uh, No. I feel bad for Eternal because apparently it feels really good to play with a mouse and keyboard from what I've been hearing on the street. No. Too bad. All right. Time for... uh... Go for it. Oh. 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 Segment from Adam. Segment from Adam. Segment from Adam. Segment from Adam. All right. Bring it back a classic. All right, my segment again. I'm just throwing segments out the wazoo this week. I'm just having fun. Um, all right, ring ring. Yep. <laughs> hey, it's me. It's Sony. Uh, man, we need some help here. Mm-hmm. I've got these numbers in front of me. Returnal. Mm-hmm. It's a game that's pretty good, but Chad thought it was way too good on one hand, which didn't perform well. And we've got Spider Man doing very well over here on PC. What do we do? Hey, Alex, what do we put next? What do you think works best for PC? And what would you put next on PC if it was your choice? What do you think works best? What do you think makes these successful? And what would you give our customers next? I'm hanging up the phone now. You can write me a letter, put it in the mail with your answer, and I'll answer you later. Goodbye. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting because I will say that when they say talking about the IP, obviously Spider-Man, if you put Spider-Man on anything, it succeeds because people fucking love Spider-Man, right? There's no arguing that point. Um, But I'm shocked that Uncharted didn't do that well because I feel, I mean, that amazing Tom Holland movie, it's a very storied franchise. I'm shocked that one didn't do well. See, here's my problem, right? Uncharted Mm -hmm. doesn't do well. And it's like, okay, that didn't do well. Well, it's a good thing that Sony has a lot of other games and other genres uh, that are particularly distinct from Uncharted that, oh, wait a minute, they don't really have that. Like, a lot of their games are these third-person, over-the-shoulder action-adventure games. And, you know, that's their bread and blutter. Bread and blutter. (laughs) Blutter, I love it. It's their bread and butter. They do those types of games real well. But you wouldn't claim that they have the most diverse kind of portfolio of games and so I'm kind of like well I don't really know what franchise to go with now that's like pretty distinct from this style of game that they can use to kind of really leverage their presence within within the PC space I was Mm -hmm. thinking like for sure Sony must have like some sort of real-time or turn-based strategy game within their current 
first party repertoire, but they that would work don't. well on PC. Yeah, I will say the next one coming up is Last of Us uh, Part One, mm-hmm. and I believe, especially on the heels of HBO show, literally just being the biggest thing of all time, that will do well. On top, of, it's Last of Us, and the show's popular. I feel like that probably reaches the upper end of what these numbers are. So that seems like a good bet to me. After that, I don't know. I'm with you. Like, what do they have that would connect with PC players? Or just a name that's so big that can't fail? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what we happens. Do you? I got a question for you here. What do you think does better? An infamous collection on PC? Or like a Ratchet and Clank collection on PC? I'm just trying to think of like, what are games that had multiple things that could be a collection, you know? I mean, I feel like ratchet and clank would do better just on the basis that it's a you know more well-known name nowadays you know i love the infamous games but i mean those the the amount of people that actually care about infamous now and nowadays are vanishingly few Mm -hmm. i'll say i have two ideas that would i think would work very well since i'm just i'm your i'm your partner in this mr sony guy hung up the phone but i'm talking to you alex there are two things i think would do that could do very well one of them's a banger and an absolute god tier decision. The other one. Mm-hmm. So again, Last of Us has a show that's really liked. People like it. The game I think will do very well on PC. We supposedly have a Ghost of Tsushima game or a movie in the works. I mm-hmm. believe from one of the creators or directors from John Wick. Mm-hmm. That could hit, and that would be good on PC. Perhaps the movie. Yeah, like get the synergy. Like the movie's out. People were like, oh, oh, oh Ghost of Tsushima's okay. cool. Also, here's a PC port coming out in a month after the movie. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Firearms. Sure. And the number one thing, which I I guarantee you this would make Sony a billion dollars. I don't even know how much they sell the game for. It'd be a billion dollars. Where's Bloodborne on PC? Alex? Alex, where's Bloodborne on I PC? I don't know. I, I don't know. You know... People for years and years and years asked where Metroid Prime 1 Remastered was. <laughs> and then out of the blue, Nintendo was like, oh, hey, it's here today, right here, right now. I, I bet I bet it's going to be a similar thing with Bloodborne, where uh, you will go forever and ever and ever without it being a thing. And then it will then it will one day drop and it'll be like, great, awesome that we finally got this. But why did it take so long? And yeah. you'll never know. I'm just hoping that I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to be like, well, some of our games have done well. Some of them not. We're going to kind of pull back on PC support. It's like, no, put out Bloodborne first, and then you can pull back and do whatever you want. I don't care after that. I need to get my fade up from black 60 frames a second Bloodborne. All right. That's it for my segment from Adam. That was a fun one. We had a good time. Put that in the mail. Put two stamps on it so we don't have to worry about it getting returned for not enough postage. Uh, all right. The last story of the day. Fucking finally for Axis. From Dirty Mouth Ryan Dinsdale at IGN.com. He cannot write a headline without cursing in it. That is Ryan Dinsdale's fault, not mine. Firaxis Games has officially announced that a new Civilization game is in development at the studio. Revealed alongside the announcement that the former COO, Heather Hazen, will be the new studio head. It's a quote from her. I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to carry on the studio's storied legacy, beginning with the announcement that Firaxis is in development on the next iteration of the legendary Civilization franchise. I'm lucky to be working with some of the best developers in our industry. We have plans to take the Civilization franchise to exciting new heights for our millions of players around the world. In addition, we will continue to support Marvel's Midnight Suns with post-launch content and explore new creative projects for our team. All right, I'm going to stop there before I go into the second half. 
Alex, I don't know how much you care about civilization, but we're talking about thing. PC nerds. They love this shit. Here's the thing. I've never played a civilization game. However, earlier in the podcast, I hinted that singing in church would come back at some mm. point. And I'm here to bring it back right here and right now because when I was in high school, I was part of my high school's choir that oh. would typically sing during uh, my high school's masses because we were a very religious, semi-private high you school. You went to Catholic school? Uh yeah it was the thing is is it was a jesuit run uh high school which is like some people would like tut tut on whether that's really a catholic school in the traditional mm. definition of that well, you said um, mass and i immediately just assume it's catholic <laughs> i mean yes for all intents and purposes although not exactly but you went to um, religious high school that's what matters gotcha yeah religious I, I i would leave it at that anyways one of these songs that we uh, sung during uh, many of our mass masses, actually, because we sang this song a lot, was Baba Yetu, which was the theme song for Civilization IV. Uh, to get, kind of give a little bit of context, basically, Baba Yetu is the uh, prayer Our Father, but uh, basically re-composed kind of and translated into Swahili. Mm. Um and it uh, apparently, as far as I can recall, I think it's like the first like song in a video game that ever won a. It's a Grammy uh, Oscar, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was like yeah. the first video game song that ever won a Grammy award. Uh, and yeah, I, I had a real fun time singing that song in high school. That was actually a real, a real fun good time. No, oh, that's a, that's yeah. an amazing song too. Holy shit, that that music from that game is phenomenal. Uh, related question. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys ever sing Ave Maria? No, I don't think so. Because the problem is, is that you need somebody who can, you know, really kind of hit those high notes. Mm -hmm. And you don't really have a whole lot of backup outside of that one person. So no Unix at your school. Uh, what's that? <laughs> you can Google it and double check me. I'm pretty sure they would, I don't know if they would remove or just constrain the testicles of young men in choirs oh. so that their voice would never get get higher or get deeper. No, it was not that. And it, uh, my school was an all boys school uh, yeah. when I went to it. It's actually it's actually a um, a uh, unisex education school now, but uh, mm, okay. at the time it was all boys. So they did not strangle your testicles so you would sing high. No. Very cool. Only reason I asked about both those things because I've watching. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and they make multiple jokes towards uh, Orlando Bloom not having testicles because he's a eunuch. And second, Ave Maria, because it's in the Batman like 17 times. The Riddler loves singing that song, and it's it's a good time. Uh, <laughs> to continue with our story about Firaxis, though, uh, the studio will be continuing without one of its leading figures, whoever, as former creative director of the XCOM franchise and Marvel's Midnight Suns' Jake Solomon has announced his departure from Firaxis. After 23 wonderful years, I'm moving on from Firaxis, he said. I'm a big dreamer, and I fulfilled two lifelong dreams of making XCOM and XCOM 2 War of the Chosen and Marvel's Midnight Suns. I'm the luckiest kid who ever lived. Solomon continued, I love designing tactical turn-based games, but it's time for other smarter people to push that space forward. My brain is on fire with a new dream. Time to go chase it. And I mainly include this story because me, Adam, is making the doc, and it was news. And I will have to say Firaxis is probably... Man, it's crazy, but might be one of my favorite developers of all time. Like, XCOM 2 is straight up my favorite game of all time. 
I adored Midnight Suns, and I completely forgot that they made Civilization, which is another, like, fantastic video game. So, uh, shout out to Jake Solomon. Whatever he goes on to make, I'm definitely getting that on day one, checking that out. But, you know, just like big ups to Fraxis for bringing back Civilization and just making legit, just amazing video games. So, proud for everybody and hope everyone lives a happy life and does their thing. Yeah, I, I've never played a, a single Fire Axis game, but I will say, like, I, I first heard of this, heard of uh, Fire Axis during the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 uh, generation when they were making what was, at the time, one of two reboots of the XCOM franchise, because there was mm. also the shooter Xbox, XCOM uh, Yeah, game. Declassified. Right. And yeah. I remember it being this big deal because, like, at the time it was like, oh, there's no way that you can reboot like an old school, like, turn based strategy RPG as it once was. You have to reboot it as a shooter. Everything has to be a shooter uh, if you want it to be successful. And those guys, you know, stuck to their guns and were like, no, we're going to make this series as it once was on PC. And ultimately, in the long run, even if it wasn't the most successful game out the gate, they kind of proved to be correct because people really loved that particular uh, XCOM game, especially over the shooter, which was pretty dismally received, if I remember. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's sad to see this guy, you know, go off into the sunset. But he he definitely made a a change, uh, a mark for the better in the industry while he was part of it. Very cool. Very he's cool. not even leaving the industry, is he? He's just retiring, or he says company, he or? he has new ideas and he's going to go chase them. My guess, he's like, I've been here for twenty three years. I'm going to go start my own studio. If I had to gotcha. guess, gotcha. He didn't say he was retiring. He just said he was moving on from Firaxis. Gotcha. So it's very cool. And that's it, Alex. Man, what a good time! Before we move into the end of the show, um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention: me and Chad. We're on Retro Olympics, um, mm. so you can look that in a, a in a podcast feed. It'll be on Secret Levels podcast their feed, or you can just Google Retro Olympics. Me and Chad were on that. We faced three other teams of podcasters and did retro ish trivia, just video game trivia in general. And I won't say what happened, but maybe me and Chad did extremely well. I don't know, or maybe we did very bad because it was about old video games, or maybe not. You have to listen to find out. Me and Chad were on there. Have a good time. Look that up. Retro Olympics. Um, and what's your favorite hamburger topping? Hmm. You know what? I love mayonnaise. Give me some good mayo. Just mayo. Like bun, mayo, meat. I mean, usually I'll have more than just that. But if I had to choose a single hamburger topping, I would go with mayo. Mine are one of two things. It's either, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a thing called uh, Jack Daniels sauce. Which I don't know what it is exactly. It feels like a, it feels more jelly than like a barbecue sauce. Like it feels more congealed than that. And I think it's made with Jack Daniels. I'm not entirely sure. It's mostly on like a Western burger and it's like Jack Daniels sauce or A1, whatever. So uh, that or like the crispy straw onions. So basically a fucking Western burger is my <laughs> favorite kind of burger is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, but yeah, Jack Daniel's sauce is phenomenal. It's, it's so rare to find any in these days, but it's really good. Uh, and that's it for the show. Unless you had, I know you have a game for us, but I think we're saving that till next week. Correct. Uh, yes, that is correct. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So I think that's it for the show. Alex, we had such a good time. Thank you for being here. Me and you holding it down, doing the best thing. No technical problems at all. 
Nope, none at all. <laughs> Had a very good day. Uh, all right, so you can check us out on patreon.com slash fire to vote on Barf Games for the month um, and cool things like that. This month, Barf Game is Doom Eternal. So play that game, finish it up, check it out with us, and also get on patreon.com because I believe I'm going to do a review and it'll go up there early before it goes out to everybody else. So if you want to get that review early, just a dollar, uh, come out on Patreon. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, man, thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out with me. Enjoy your evening. Have a good time. Do your thing. And uh, I always forget, how does the chat end this? He usually says, like, and until next time, here's your sign-off. And he does something real dumb and real annoying and real craving. Here's your usual sign-off. Whatever Chad's favorite hot dog topping is, it's the wrong one. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, there we go. Ooh. Got him. Got his ass. <laughs>